0: Belong. Become. Believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas Podcast. The message for October 30th, 2022 is called Unboxing Saints. The speaker is Tim Holland, and it was recorded on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Due to a technical glitch, the sound at the beginning of the message is cut off. For context, Tim begins by asking everyone if they've seen the movie Coco. The recording begins after they give their responses. Good. Okay, for the rest of you, you need to go check it out. Um, So I would highly recommend just firing up Disney Plus this week and taking a look. Um, So it's it's a story that takes place in Mexico, and it follows the journey of a boy named Miguel. And Miguel loves music. He plays the guitar all the time. Writes his songs. He's like hero-worshipping one of his favorite singers throughout. And um, the problem is he was born into a family that has forbidden music in all forms, music of any kind. Um, it's also set around the Day of the Dead celebrations in Mexico, where families put up altars in their homes with photos of family members and loved ones who've passed away. It's thought that by remembering them in the land of the living, that they're able to, their loved ones are able to continue existing in the land of the dead. Um, But when they're forgotten in the land of the living, they fade away into this empty void. Um, And nobody knows what happens after that. So the tradition has been followed for centuries uh, in Mexico with families setting up altars and setting out food and drinks and gifts for the dead. Because once every year on El Dia de los Muertos, All Saints Day also, um, the ancestors find their way to the ofrenda offering, uh, and accept their gifts that were offered up, and spend time with family. So in the film, Miguel eventually finds himself thrown into the land of the dead, where he meets his ancestors, and they become more than just pictures on an ofrenda. They are real, real life, larger than life, and he is connected with family, and the meaning behind why keeping their memory alive on the ofrenda is so important. Um, My first impression of Dia de los Muertos was a commentary that we received from a missionary who served in Guanajuato, Mexico, um, when I was 10. So it left me believing that celebrating the day was evil and wrong and probably witchcraft, um, or like ancestral worship at best, uh, which was still really not good. um, Because it all got in the way of Jesus. So who knows what impression I'd be left with, though, if I were to see it now for the first time not having any of that background um, versus, you know, the young impressionable Tim who just wanted to do what was right. And I couldn't see how anything focused on the dead was compatible with my Christian faith. So fast forward two and a half decades when I saw the trailer for the film Coco the first time, and I was put off by the singing skeletons and, um, you know, views that I just disagreed with. And um, Laura, Laura told me this week when we were talking about it that, I still had more fundamentalism in me than I realized, even at the time. So um, it's a process. (laughs) So on the recommendation though, of my brother and his husband who is Mexican American and who loves the tradition, we watched it. I was blown away by the beauty and significance of the celebration, how um, preparing and setting out the favorite foods of loved ones, keeping their photo up uh, in plain view, makes them feel closer. We cherish family recipes, So why not take those recipes and bake or cook them and imagine that we're in the kitchen with mom or grandma again to feel close and keep their memories alive. My brother-in-law lost his father this year and is celebrating Dia de los Muertos with new, deeper significance than before. So as early as the fourth century, it's a little history background now, as early as the fourth, I love my segues, um, so as early as the fourth century, feasts were held in honor of, um, the martyrs who, and these feasts were held around like Easter or Pentecost. Um, but then by the seventh century, the day had expanded not to honor just martyrs, but also saints who had passed. So it was during that time that Pope Boniface the fourth set All Saints Day to be on May 13th to cover up Lemury which was a Roman pagan holiday when it was believed that restless and like malevolent spirits were finally able to find peace. Um, But then a century later, after it had been established on the 13th, churches in the British Isles moved the day to November 1st to replace Samain, which was a Celtic harvest festival that also celebrated the dead. 800 years later, when Spanish conquistadors invaded the land of the Aztecs, they moved that nation's traditional harvest celebration, which also honored the dead, to November 1st to coincide with All Saints Day. And much like many of our Christmas traditions that have roots in European paganism, Dia de los Muertos traditions have roots in the Aztec religion. So used to wipe out Roman paganism, Celtic beliefs, Aztec tradition, and more, All Saints Day carries with it a history of colonialism, cultural erasure, and religious ethnocentricity. But at its core, so acknowledging that, at its core, it honors the memory of those who have departed, which is nothing unique to Christianity. Japan has the Buddhist festival of Oban, Korea has Chuseok. China has the Buddhist and Taoist Yulangie, or Hungry Ghost Month, Nepal has Gajatra, Cambodia has the Khmer Festival of Chumben, India has the Hindu festival of Pichupaksha. And this list doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. Even prehistoric humans uh, honor the dead. Setting aside time to remember those who have passed is not something that makes us Christian, it makes us human. But bringing it back, All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, the Feast of All Hallows, the Feast of All Saints, the Solemnity of All Saints, Mass, is a day set aside to honor all the saints of the church, whether known or unknown. Halloween is obviously All Hallows Eve. In the particular stream of evangelicalism in which I grew up, Uh, We got the understanding that pagans and witches were on a mission to overshadow All Saints Day by commercializing their pagan holiday that worshiped the devil and evil spirits through jack lanterns trick-or-treating, and bobbing for apples. Never know what you're going to get. I know. (laughs) I heard so many different teachings from different people. About why you shouldn't carve and especially not light jack lanterns for, like, out of fear of summoning demonic spirits. Um, our children's pastor sent an invitation, Pastor Ralph, sent, <laughs> sent an invitation to the community for our Halloween alternative event that let them know that if they were to bring their kids to church instead of going trick or treating, that no witches, this was the quote, no witches, goblins, or ghosts were allowed funny aside um is that how the that was like how the invite was written there was no context for for that like that they were costumes so i still don't know what a goblin is but i'm pretty sure there weren't any ghost kids or witch children in covington washington at the time anyway um so cultural evangelicalism in so many ways takes things that are fun and innocent and good and others them creating fear and shame And so many of us, over the years, have fallen in line because we were told it was the right thing to do. Because if you didn't, you gave the enemy a foothold. This is my charismatic tradition. (laughs) This, juxtaposed with our dominion over the enemy by the power of the blood, sent confusing mixed messages that the devil and his evil forces were like something to be feared. I mean, have you listened to the best contemporary Christian recording artist of all time and his famous song a witch's invitation by carmen anybody no check it out it's enlightening Um, so dungeons and dragons ouija boards crystal balls and tarot cards there were so many stories of kids who got possessed because of this stuff these were our creepy halloween stories except we were made to believe that they were actually true so many evangelical, and this is my experience, I know everyone has a different <laughs> background, but um, many evangelical communities have replaced Halloween alternatives and harvest parties now with early evening trunk-or-treats because we actually realize that trick-or-treating can be fun, and it's okay, although you'll still see the occasional hell house here and there. And maybe it's just me, but the unacknowledged, this unacknowledged shifting and pivoting of belief and practice and values that happens in many evangelical circles which is often unnoticed until you find yourself on the outside and maybe even othered, sometimes for something as simple as asking questions, brings so many other things into question. If I or we were wrong about Halloween being rooted in evil, where else could I have been wrong? What if any of my beliefs are true? When our fervor is tied to demon binding and ghost hunting and we realize ghosts aren't real, what is our purpose then? And truth be told, this is where Laura and I struggle as parents. We want our kids to love Jesus as a friend. We have a heart, but we have a hard time keeping magic out of the mysticism. We want to protect their innocence without sanitizing scripture. We want people in their lives who inf- whose influence will be remembered, whose faith can be borrowed in long seasons of doubt and disbelief and difficulty. In January 1991, guideposts printed a story. Do you guys remember guideposts? Little, my grandma your mom loved guideposts. Um, They printed a story written by Steve Saint, who's a missionary pilot with Missionary Aviation Fellowship, um, sharing a time when he found himself stranded in Timbuktu and needed transport back to Bamako. Um, There's a little personal connection here, not to Steve Saint, but to the country of Mali. That's where I spent two months with YWAM back in the year 2000. Um, Bamako stayed there. It's the capital of Mali, which is a West African country that's 95% majority Muslim. And even though they have freedom of religion, there's a lot of prejudice against Christians. It's hard for them to find jobs or get housing. And there's just, it's really difficult. So the country is also being taken over by desertification, which is when the Sahara is just taking over the north. So like Timbuktu is up in the northeast, by 500 miles into the Sahara and nothing around it. It's a town of about 20,000. So according to Steve Saint's account in Guidepost article, after flying in medical supplies, he found himself stranded in Timbuktu, looking for a transport back to Bamako. No one spoke English, and his broken French didn't get him very far. Steve's faith had grown thin. He lost his father when he was five years old, and at so many points in his life, he wished that he could just speak to him. This was another one of those moments, not because he was stuck in a Malian town deep in the Sahara Desert. He had started questioning whether his father's death meant anything. So many people had met, had told him there was purpose in his father's death and he believed it but it felt so arbitrary and unnecessary. He eventually found himself to the on, his he eventually found his way to the only Christian church in the city where he was greeted by a young man named Nua Aginfa Yatara. There was something about it, about this man that made him feel like they shared something in common. The man led him to the outskirts of town where he met an American missionary who was able to translate and get him help to get a ride back to Bamako. Um, The missionary invited him and Noe inside because they had several hours before the the plane left. So Steve wanted to know Noe's story and asked the missionary to translate. Noe had grown up up in one of the most staunchly Muslim communities in Mali, Timbuktu. And as a young boy, Noe was um, caught by a foreign missionary while stealing carrots from his garden. Instead of getting him in trouble, the man gave him cards with Bible verses printed on them and told him that if he learned them, he would give him an ink pen. They call it like in French, it's a beak, your big pen. Big deal. Um, who do you, so, I'm oh, sorry. I just pulled the wrong page. So, um, Noy learned those cards, he studied them, and he eventually came to faith in Christ. But as a result, he was beaten by his teacher at school, kicked out of his house, unsuccessfully poisoned by his mother, and shunned by the community. The missionaries, though, they were there and they took him in and he read a lot of their books. And his favorite one was about five missionaries who were killed by a tribe of indigenous people in Ecuador. He was encouraged by their faith and knew that even though his own family wanted to cause him harm, that he was not alone in standing for Jesus and suffering for it. So hearing this, Steve was taken aback and the missionary quickly figured out why. Steve told Noah that the one that and Steve figured out why. When um, Steve told Noah that the one man, that, sorry, that one of the men killed in the story was his father, they did share something in common. Noah had borrowed the faith of Steve's father, decades and thousands of miles removed, and received the assurance that day that the stories he read as a boy were true. And Steve found the assurance that his father's death did mean something. So whether we have met them or not, we all have people who have influenced our lives, whose faith we have borrowed when our doubt or disbelief or difficult times overshadowed hope. These are the saints we remember this week when we honor all saints, known or unknown. According to the Roman Catholic definition, a saint is anyone who has gone to heaven. Um, And if you don't believe in purgatory, that's a bonus because that means you have a lot more options. Uh, Protestantism holds to the understanding that we are all saints, holy and set apart because of Christ. So, who are the saints that you look to when you need encouragement? Whose faith do you borrow? When I think of those spiritual forces in my own life, I immediately go to people like Tag and Deidre Larson, who helped me find my heart for people outside the US and get involved in missions. Um, I think of Meredith Doherty, who gave me permission to connect with God in ways that were unique to me because it was how he created me to be. I didn't have to box myself into a stringent quiet time that only works for some people, but not all. I also think of C.S. Lewis, whose story-based approach to introducing deep theological conversations parted spiritual wonder as a child when I read Narnia and grounded me as a 20-something while I read Paralandra and A Grief Observed. Who do you go to when you need to borrow another's faith? Who has inspired you to live more like Christ by being your most authentic self? Saints live a blessed life, but blessed in the Jesus sense. And they inspire us to also find meaning and purpose when times are tough. In Luke 6, 20 through 31, Jesus is speaking and looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. And reject your name as evil because of the son of man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give, every, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So in the first part of this, um, the blessing is one of endurance. It's a hope, it's with endurance, sorry, with the hope of delayed gratification. Sometimes the hardship is circumstantial, and at other times it's the hardship is because we follow Jesus. But he tells his disciples, this is one of those passages where the teaching can also be applied to us, as opposed to the entirety of scripture, um, to rejoice in that day. Not on that day, but to rejoice in that day. It's not a command to put on a happy face. We rejoice in that day. Because saints find meaning and purpose in difficult times. That's a blessed life. This is why we can borrow their faith when we face our own difficult times. Then we get to the woe. Uh, this is not a curse on rich people or those who are spoken well of. More so it's a, hey, you don't need to find comfort in financial security, status, and happiness. Because those things can disappear at any time and leave you blindsided. It's a blessing to be without, not to be with. And this flies in the face of everything the prosperity or feel good gospel will teach you. But if you're looking for biblical truth, I find that the hard ones are usually the ones that are the least polluted. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This and the rest of the passage that I just read are evidence of the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When someone demonstrates those, especially in the face of difficulty, it inspires others to do the same. Spiritual, influences, sorry, spiritual influencers don't do brand placements or unboxings online. True saints are not bound by our modern conception of greatness or by tradition, history, or teaching that constrains them to certain often unattainable qualifications the beauty of All Saints Day and Dia de los Muertos is that it is so inclusive. It's the Catholic Church's catch-all for all venerated saints, canonized or not, without a feast day or other would-be saints that they may have missed. And it's a day where the Protestant High Church sets aside to remember those members who have recently passed. Either way, it's a day to remember and honor those who are in heaven who have impacted our lives in some way. We can have uh, the communion uh, folks come up and ready here. So when I taught um, world history 15 years ago, back in Washington state, I had my 10th graders do an art project when we were studying Western Civ and like the growth of the church. Um, I did a short teaching on Byzantine iconography, why it was significant, and then handed out oil pastels and 11 by 17 sheets of paper, dimmed the lights for two days and played Gregorian chant. And they had to walk in in silence, couldn't talk for the whole period. A lot of them were weirded out, and the introverts in the group embraced the silence. Um, so for the next two days, they created icons of their own heroes. There were maybe a couple like, who drew a picture of Jesus, because we were in Seattle, and <laughs> it was not as common to uh, you know, hold him in high esteem. But there were a lot of pictures of grandparents who had passed away, Um, And even more distant influences like Tony Hawk and Steve Wozniak. Um, So remembering and honoring the saints, it's a spiritual practice that connects us with our faith as much as it's something that connects us to ourselves and one another as humans. Just like my brother-in-law honoring his father, our family will be doing the same this year. I'd like to invite us to put up, to invite all of us to put something up in our homes that connects us to someone, to something good from our past Maybe it's a picture of a family member or a book that changed your life. Maybe it's taking the time to cook someone's favorite meal, sharing their story and holding them close so their impact is not forgotten. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.